0: Our readings today look back over the book of Daniel. Our first reading is Daniel chapter two, starting at verse 17 to 28a. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises others up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed, to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Ariok took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Our second reading is Daniel 79 14 As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. that will never be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Folks, it's really nice to be with you this morning. I imagine there might be quite a few mixed emotions, perhaps being back in the building, if, uh, if you are, or watching at home. Why don't we uh, bring those to the Lord and pray as we begin? Heavenly Father, we come to you and we pray for your light and uh, for our eyes and our hearts and our minds and that we might know you better and your world and our place in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, uh, It's good to be doing this uh, 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 final look at the book of Daniel together um, and just taking a look back across it. One of the things the Bible encourages us to do... um, all the time really, is to be asking what is going on below the surface? What is going on down beneath uh, the surface of things Uh, in ourselves, in what's happening around us, uh, perhaps in what you're reading in the news about uh, this week? Um, Here's a a picture, an image of an iceberg, that idea that there are often things going on way down deep uh, below the surface of the water that's perhaps might not be visible to everyone else, but you know are going on all the kinds of things that are there. And if you push down a little, I think there are some below-the-surface questions uh, that have been very present this past year, and some of them this past week, in lots of ways. Uh, questions like, how scary should I expect the world to be? How unpredictable uh, should I expect the world to be? Do I actually have a lot less control than I thought or I think I might have? Questions, that might be a question that's beneath some of the events of this week, uh, if you've watched the news. Uh, A sense, perhaps, of how physically scared should I be? Uh, It might be a question that, if you're somebody who's younger here, who's been back to school this week, um, it may just be a question of, um, how unpredictable um, are things now? Going back to school, involving uh, lateral flow tests or whatever it might be, things different to how they were before. How how scary, how unpredictable, how worrying should I expect it to be? All this year, I think these, there have been those kinds of questions beneath, you know, an extraordinary year. The surface, uh, underneath the surface, what kind of uh, control do we have? over the circumstances of our lives. And I think whether you're a Christian here this morning, or whether you're not, or whether you're uh, watching and and investigating things, I think these kind of questions will come up again and again, and perhaps more and more in the coming uh, months and years. How much uh, control do we have? Is the world unpredictable? The issue might be our sense of physical safety. It may be, you think back over this past year, our sense of physical health or of our mental health. It might be a question of our place in the world uh, and whether that's a question of our racial identity in the world. And again, that's been below the surface in the news this week. And we've spent these past few weeks looking at the book of Daniel, and, and it's been a lot of fun looking at it. And what I want us to do this morning is to step back, to just try and take in the book as a whole and, and see why um, have we got this book as it is, what is it doing, and why, what are the kind of messages, what's the takeaway we're supposed to, to leave with as we leave the book of Daniel behind at this point. And here is, if you like, in this table, a, a very sort of simple, this is, I could boil it down to its most simple. This is the book of Daniel in one little table, and it divides into two halves, the first half and the second half, the first half, the first six chapters are the really well-known stuff, the stories that everyone remembers, the dramatic, exciting stories. And the second half, well, when Richard began our, uh, when we got to chapter seven and he began that half for us, do you remember he said, welcome to the weird half of Daniel. And it's just very odd and it's, it's strange and it's got these visions that are given to Daniel. But it is most straightforward. The, the two halves of the book tell us about Daniel's lifetime in the first half and then in the future uh, in the second half. And there's something going on here in just, just stepping back and looking at those two halves and seeing that the, I think the, the way the, the book is put together and the way the writer has done it is, is he wants us to just to encourage us to say we really can trust God with the future, we really can trust God with the future. We're not meant to ignore that second half of the book. I know we often do. We often just sort of stop at chapter six and we don't think about the second. But actually, I think it's there because we're supposed to think about the future, but we're supposed to do it having a confidence in God in what might be often a scary or an unpredictable future. Before, though, we get to that point, before we get to those visions, we are given reasons to trust God. We're given reasons we can rely on him. And so that's the the first half of the book, and I think it's it's why it's there. In In that first half, God proves that he can reveal and rule and rescue um, and in that first half, we, it's like we see what God can do. Now, I've often thought those stories are so memorable, they're so vivid, they are a bit like iconic um, blockbuster movie or TV moments, scenes. Now, here's a couple that I just picked out, uh, one's quite an old one, one's a very new one, and, you know, um, don't worry if you don't get either of them or <laughs> recognise either of them, but they're, they're you know, In television and film there are sometimes there are moments where you kind of there are iconic things that they stay in your memory they're in technicolor they're vivid and they're things that you kind of remember and take away and the first half of Daniel is full of those you get a whole series and if you remember the first half of the book we had families who created videos for us at home uh, depicting what went on and some of them were really extraordinary you know if you uh, if you might remember, a little boy called Isaac was Daniel when he was thrown to the lions. If you saw that video when he was literally kind of thrown across, amazing special effects. They're vivid, vivid pictures. And in them, those three things are what we see. So we see that God reveals. So particularly chapters two and four, where there are these strange dreams that uh, are given um, dreams about statues and about trees. They're big, bold and um, kind of pictures. But in one of them, the king won't even tell anyone what his dream is. Um, he's saying, you know, I want you to tell me what the dream means, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's, when you think about it, it's, it's ridiculous. But God does reveal both what the dream means and the content of it to Daniel. That is what he knows. God can reveal these things. When, do you remember the scene where there is the handwriting on the wall? Um, uh, when we did it here, I think we had Pete, and then Sarah had a stick with a hand on the end, and she was kind of writing on this bit of paper from a distance. You know, it, it's, it's big, bold, it stays in your mind. And no one could understand what it meant, but God gave the knowledge of it to Daniel. He, he really could reveal what was going to happen. Uh, and what was going to happen to those kings and and what indeed does happen and God shows that he rules and when we've been through this series uh, there are various points at which I have put maps on the screen and I've tried to just illustrate the kind of kings that we are talking about in those days, they had empires which stretched from the Mediterranean right across to the edge of India they were vast empires powerful kings but we see through the book and this first half, God's orchestrates and controls what happens to them. So King Nebuchadnezzar, after his dream, do you remember he falls from this great powerful role that he has to being like a creature on the ground with feathers on his back and has a period of time where he's just reduced in an instant to this animal-like creature, and then he's raised back up again, and God does that. Belshazzar, after the writing on the wall, that very night loses his life, you know, you might have thought, no one would have predicted that that could have been possible. But his, his life ends there and then. God orchestrates, controls what happens. And God really does rescue uh, in chapters uh, 3 and chapter 6, you know, easily the most memorable bits of, of Daniel, surely. Are the, the fiery furnace with the three friends walking around and the fourth figure who joins them. Uh, and uh, the lion's den, when uh, Daniel is saved from the lions. I've talked talked lots about Daniel's ages through this. It fascinates me. Um, Daniel was an 80-year-old, I said this before, when he faced the lions. And if you ever in your mind think he's just this sort of young lad who goes to... He's an 80-year-old, and he faces the lions. And the Lord keeps the mouths of the lions closed and protects him. This extraordinary rescue uh, that God brings about And there are these vivid stories. And the way the book works, he's given us, these, these, the first half gives us these stories as if to say, look, God proves, he shows, he can do all these things. And this is what you need to take you into the second half. This is what you need when the visions come and they start to get a bit strange. This is what you need to know and trust to read the second half of the book. Let me try a little thought experiment here, and, um, uh, just to kind of try and get this idea. Um, imagine for a moment that Bill Gates was here, Bill Gates, a uh, leading business person of uh, many decades and thinker and leader and so on. Imagine he was here and he came to you and he was here to talk about the pandemic uh, and what, uh, what we need to do in the pandemic or what we should think about or perhaps how things should change. And you, some of you might think, oh, it's great, Bill Gates. That's very exciting. Move, alo- move over, Paul. We'll happily have Bill Gates here. Um, some of you might be thinking, well, why should I listen to Bill Gates? What on earth has he got to tell me about the pandemic? What does he know? And you might have mixed thoughts. Now, if I said that actually, and he, he well, he had given a talk saying these words. He said, today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe is most likely to be a highly infectious virus. And then if I said, he gave that talk six years ago. Six years ago, he gave a talk saying, the greatest catastrophe likely to befall us in this planet is a highly infectious virus. Now, some of you might go, huh, wow, okay. So maybe if he was thinking it then, and he was doing his research, and he was thinking about it, maybe I should listen to him now. Now, it's a bit like that. Now, I'm also very aware that this probably also then starts a dozen conspiracy theories. So if I've completely derailed what I'm trying to say, because that's all you can think about, well, there you go. Don't worry. Um, But I I realise that's out there, but you know, that's how these things go. However, do you get what I mean? Actually, God in the first half of the book is revealing, he's proving these things to show us that when it comes to the second half, we can listen we can trust him we can have confidence in what he's saying and that second half it's when god reveals the future he reveals the future the future kingdoms uh, the future for god's people and it's when the canvas gets really really big and large i said um, a number of weeks ago the second half uh, the, the book of daniel is in the in the story of the bible it's like going from local news to world news So, you start, uh, so much of the Bible's story is focused on Israel and the people and the land and and lots of the ins and outs of what goes on there primarily. But Daniel just blows that wide open. And we're talking about the globe and the rise and fall of kings and over empires over a long period of time. And it's gone from uh, this kind of big zoom out. And the visions then get really mind stretching and they're really weird. And they talk about the rise and fall of rulers. Uh, they talk about uh, the opposition, long opposition to God and God's people and, and the, just the challenges that God's holy people, as they're called, will face in that over a kind of mysterious length of time that's difficult to get your head around. And is it now or is it still coming? And, and, and those sorts of questions in our mind. And then there's this war of some sort. And then a picture of resurrection and God's kingdom coming in the end. And when the visions get weird and our sense of the future seems strange, then, then, then we're to remember those blockbuster scenes from the first half. So when the future seems unpredictable to us, complex, hard to get our head around, that's when we need to remember God really did reveal to Daniel what would happen to those kings. He really did reveal those dreams. That's when we need to remember and trust that. He really does know. When worldly powers just seem uh, just terrifying and unstoppable, and and we look at the world and we think, Lord, how can any good come of this? Is there any change that can happen here? That's when we need to remember that he brought Nebuchadnezzar down in an instant as he wanted to. He brought an end to Belshazzar as he wanted to the God who really does rule, he put the writing on the wall. And when we think, you know, can everything that's gone on in this past year, when we perhaps we've reflected on our own death more than ever, can he really see us through death? Can he really? And that's when we need to remember those vivid, extraordinary pictures of rescue, of the furnace, of the lion's den, when he kept the, the mouths of the lions closed, that he holds the jaws of death in his hands. And notice, it's not saying that uh, these things won't be scary, it's not saying that they uh, aren't uh, you know, are going to be, just be straightforward uh, for believers or, or anyone. In fact, these later chapters, I think, are saying they will be. They will be uncertain, they will be uh, hard to get your head around, but God wants us to understand and have confidence in him when it comes to that future. And I think it is, as I reflect on this, it is more than just saying God is in control and sort of paying lip service to that. I think it's saying, it's, for me, it's, it's, it means I, I, can have, I have reasons to trust him. I look back and I have reasons to have confidence in him. It means I have things that I can bring to my emotions and my thinking about the future. Those deep, below-the-surface iceberg questions, the ones that maybe I, you know, I've, uh, I, I, I kind of buried quite deep down, but are the ones I wake in the middle of the night and think about. Those are what I can bring this to, As I reflect on God and his character, that he rules, he reveals, he rescues. And I find it so helpful as you step back from the book and you see do you see the two halves and how they work and and how I think we've been given this book? That God does it in this way that God shows we can trust him before he asks us to trust him. I've, I just, as I've reflected on this over these past few weeks, I just found this so helpful. God shows we can trust him before he asks us to trust him. And I think this goes quite, it goes deep down into the roots of the Christian faith, how the Christian faith works. When you think about it, actually you begin to see it everywhere. This is, this is almost at the heart of how God works and how he reveals himself. When you think Jesus came to earth as a human... And he walked on this earth as one of us. He came, and it's as though he came and said, look, let me show that you can trust me. As he walked among us, as he lived, as he died, and then he rose, he said, let me show you that you can trust me. And then he says, so will you come with me into the resurrection? That he died and rose first, and then says, will you come with me? Will you believe, trust in me, have confidence in me, and come to a new creation with me. I have just found it so helpful to reflect on the way God works and as you see it played out in Daniel and actually you see it everywhere in the Christian faith. That is the kind of God that we have, who has shown himself to be and who we see in the Lord Jesus. And as we leave this, uh, for now, this book of Daniel, we're going to have our our next piece of music. And I, I just encourage you perhaps to reflect what will you take away from Daniel? What part of his character will you reflect, uh, of God's character will you reflect on? And uh, just the, the music that we have is just a great encouragement to, to lift our eyes to God's extraordinary character. So let's use that now, just a few moments of quiet as we listen uh, and then um, uh, reflect together.